So good to have our friends up here leading worship. And Shane, thank you for leading us in communion. It was really, really good. Folks, if you have kids that are in junior high and high school, that's the man. He's the one leading, right? So I'd encourage you, if you uh, know any other children uh, that are getting ready to head into uh, the sixth grade and beyond, talk to him. He's got a great team being put together. The Karkenny's joining. And we just have people coming. And so I'm excited for what's going to happen here in youth ministry at this church. I'm an old youth pastor, so this gets exciting. And you heard VBS, right? Guys, we have a lot of kids on this that come here on Sundays and then during the week. What a great ministry to them. Remember, your kids aren't born Christians, so it's a mission field, right? So I encourage you, August 2nd through 6th, think about it. Come here on campus with us and uh, we, do, we have people making crafts, serving snacks. We've got counselors. We've got game leaders. We've got teachers. If you're at all interested, please talk to me. And uh, we'll take anyone, because the more hands, the better, because it's a joyful time of serving. All right? So talk to me afterwards. Now that the announcements are over, but those are important, if you'll open up your Bibles to Acts. Uh, Sunday nights, I've been uh, just had the privilege of going through the book of Acts and uh, one of the characters that has grabbed my attention, uh, someone who stands out for his role in the burgeoning church in Acts, all the way through uh, where it explodes out into the Gentile world, is this person called Barnabas. And uh, over the years, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the church, but when I became a Christian in college, I would hear occasional mentions of this man about the son of encouragement. Um, but as I've studied and grown and, and learned, there are many things we can stand to, uh, to see in this man's life and that we as a church should embrace. And that's what I'm excited to go through with you this morning. And we, it's going to be kind of a survey. We don't have one passage. I had Shane read one of the passages. So we're going to be lightly touching on about five or six different passages. So keep your, keep, get ready to do a little sword drill here. We're just in the book of Acts, all right? So you just have to turn a few pages over. Um, but as I look at, at, at Barnabas, one of the things that, again, I've talked about this all the time, is that often just we are with a certain story or stories we can too often just kind of breeze right over the top of it. We're too familiar with the stories. And so uh, when you hear Encourager or, or Barnabas, oh, he was a, he's the kind of guy who's like a cheerleader, a high-fiver, right? We think of encouragement, that's what it is. But you know, that's actually not all that encouragement means in Scripture. It's kind of, this kind of description uh, kind of reminds me of a movie that was a big one in the late 80s, early 90s. Ever heard of Princess Bride? Well, there's one little uh, section in there where it's over the word inconceivable. Diego Montoya says this to this other guy. He says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. So when we use the word encouragement, we have to relearn what the Bible means by this word. It certainly does mean that, it, that encouraging in the sense of high-fiving at times but it means more than that. I want us to, to see uh, what this man brings to the table and, and help us learn and apply in this church, in our lives, so that we have more and more people like him. People who are fired up about the gospel, who want to see lives change and will do what is necessary to help people take those steps. So we're looking at this man, 
This, uh, this Joseph is actually his real name, uh, a Jew from the tribe of Levi, but he's from the island of Cyprus. But his nickname was Son of Encouragement, Barnabas. And, and there's something about a nickname. Uh, someone said that a nickname is the heaviest stone you can throw at someone. They got a nickname, you nickname them for a reason. Where did Barnabas get his nickname? From the apostles because they saw something and he gained a reputation for it. So how did Barnabas, and this is just a broad overview, how did he encourage others? By his faith, by his friendship, by his giving, by his forgiving. And we'll look at all these different aspects today. Again, Barnabas, that word actually means son of prophecy. There's different ways of looking at it, but his son of prophecy, because it's especially as it's manifested in, in exhortation. Encouragement is more than just what we think. It also means exhortation. And it does mean comfort and consolation. So we're going to look at how it plays out. So when we see a Barnabas, we need to learn from how he showed that. So again, we're going to be looking to, again, I'm setting the stage here so as we look, you don't think we're looking at somebody just in one snippet. We're going to see about five different passages today over a period of about 15 to 20 years. So that's going to help us understand because I'm going to exhort you as your brother in the Lord to be a Barnabas. But I want us to understand we can't be like this Barnabas all at once. It takes time. But we can do it in little ways. We got to start somewhere. And we'll talk about that. So let's let's look into this and just challenge to you know be challenged by this man and what he's done, his passion, his joy in serving God. So about Barnabas, you can see that if you're looking in in Acts chapter four, we'll be in uh, what's passage here, verse four or chapter four, specifically uh, verse thirty-two is where we'll start in just a moment. To understand the book of Acts, there are the Acts chapter 1, 8, or chapter 1, verse 8 says, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That is an outline, basically, of Acts. You see the gospel starting in the city of Jerusalem, then it goes out to the county of Judea and Samaria, which is right in that big circle, and then it goes out. The reason I bring that up is Barnabas is in each section of the book. He is a man who wasn't just at one part and he's gone from the scene. He played a part all the way through. He's an important person. We think of him as a secondary character. He's actually much more so. Barnabas is a a man that he was called a preacher in Acts 13. He was actually called an apostle, small a, an official sent one of the church, in Acts 14. He's called a miracle worker in Acts 14. He's a hard worker, a traveler. He was courageous in the face of opposition. He kept teaching even when there was fierce opposition. The first missionary journey that he went on with Paul covered 1,500 miles. It didn't happen in two weeks. You'd have to walk basically 50 straight days to cover that without stopping. And it was huge elevation climbs on rough roads. So we say Barnabas was son of encouragement. He was more than just a guy who stands over here and, yeah, good job. This man was a man. He was a discipler, a teacher, a trainer, 
an encourager to the young church in Acts 14. He was a mentor to Saul, Paul. He was a mentor to John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. He was a key mentor, key figure to raise up the Antioch church. Antioch church was headquarters number two. Headquarters number one, Jerusalem. Then when the church expanded, Antioch became the center. He was listed first as the leader there. This is an amazing man. He was called a good godly man, a man who is righteous in Acts 11 that we read earlier. He was an appointed man. He was set aside by the Spirit. He was an appointed man by the, by the apostles in Jerusalem to send him up to Antioch. He was an appointed man by the church at Antioch to go back to Jerusalem. He is a man that he was selected because of who he was. And I want to challenge us to find out what is he like that I can imitate. He was a trusted man. He was a man that people went to and followed. So in Acts 4, 32, let's read this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Again, this is the early church. This is probably six months maybe after Pentecost. On Pentecost, 3,000 believers. One day, boom, one sermon. Then a few weeks later, we have another sermon. We have another opportunity. We see Peter and James, or I'm sorry, Peter and John going to the temple and they, they heal the, the lame man. And they get imprisoned and they're released. But there's another 5,000 men who joined the church. The church could have been about 20,000 people in just a few months. Imagine the, the chaos they were causing in Jerusalem. Imagine the chaos it was to be a part of a church trying to organize ministry. How can we disciple these new believers? It's a madhouse. But in the midst of it, a man stands out. And we'll see that. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. This is just like the very first days of the church. It's continuing. It's the same character. People are being taken care of. They were taking the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, they trusted them to be the leaders to distribute. And, each, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Verse 36. And thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles, they're the ones who gave him this nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, and sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this is a man who was already known by this time. And how was he known? Well, evidently, his character was such that, his life was such that, that they called him son of encouragement. The apostles did. 20,000 maybe, 10 to 20,000, let's just say that. And he stands out so much so he gets a nickname. Barnabas. Barnabas. He was a man who was a part of the church that was characterized like this. A man devoted, or they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. He was part of this church. He was an active participant. He was not someone who sat over here and did nothing and left right away. 
He was very much a part of the church. Again, I'm going to keep building the character of this man because then we are to be challenged to be the same, right? He was a Jew born on Cyprus. It's an island off the coast, out in the Mediterranean. So what does that make him? Does that make him a native-born Jew or a Hellenized Jew? Okay, if you're watching in the book of Acts, there was actually conflict in the early church between the Jewish Christians from the land of Israel and the Christians who are the Jews who were born outside of Israel. They were called Hellenized Jews. There was conflict, Acts chapter 5, or Acts chapter 6. He was one of these men born outside, yet part of the early church. Who else was like that? Paul. Paul was born in Tarsus. He was born outside. So we, this man is going to serve to be one of the links from the gospel going from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Okay? Just keep building the picture here of this man. And he had a devotion to the Lord. He was part of this church. He was a man of some financial means. He was from the tribe of Levi. Levites were not allowed to own land in Israel. They were supposed to trust the Lord. This is where the, the priests came out of. They were supposed to trust the Lord and be provided by the people of Israel through their giving. He was from Cyprus. He probably had land there in Cyprus. So what is land back then? It's your bank account. It's your security. Your family and what you owned was your retirement. What was his devotion to the Lord? He sold land and did what? Gave it to the church. What does that reflect? His character. I'm going to trust God for my future, but I want to care for these people. I'm not going to just say, hey, I'll pray for you. Prayer is important. But it was prayer and it was a passion to see people helped. We see it. It's even, even emptied out his wallet to help people. So, before we go to the next passage, again, this is a breeze, just going over these passages to get a feel for this man. Think through yourself. What does it take to be a man like this? Well, what, what was it? He was committed to the Lord. He was committed to be part of the church. He was active in the church. Can you do that? Everyone do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. He was committed to helping others and, and, and trusting the leadership, the apostles. Can you do that? You can. And he was also trusting them to do what? To distribute the finances. And he gave financially to help others. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. So being a Barnabas isn't that hard yet, is it? Okay. So this is the first taste we have of Barnabas. Now we fast forward probably about three or four years. And we're going to Acts chapter 9 now. Go to verse, uh, Acts 9, verse 26. We'll read through 30. And now we're going to see a different facet of this man, this son of encouragement, and what that means. So Acts chapter 9, verse 26 through 30. And when he, we're talking about the Paul at this point, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he had been gone from Jerusalem. This is after his conversion, where he started at Stephen's Stephen's big speech defending the gospel, he was enraged and he oversaw the stoning of Stephen and then he began this violent persecution. The way he's described is he was just breathing threats. He was just vicious. And he was so vicious, he wanted to even go outside of Jerusalem and go after these, these believers who are fleeing. So he wants to go up to Damascus, over 100 miles away. And on the way... Jesus says, uh, I've got something else for you. And he becomes a Christian. And then for three years, 
He spent time up in Damascus preaching and disputing on the, for the cause of Christ. Talk about a, a reversal of, th- of fortunes, right? That's what God does. He takes the worst of us and turns us around for his glory, right? And that's what's happening. But now he's coming down. He's had to actually flee for his life because they're tired of him up there, the Jews, and they don't want to hear him talk about this anymore. So they're going after him. He has to flee by night and get out of there. And that's when he's coming down to Jerusalem. Three years. This is three years he's been gone. And he attempted to join the disciples, Christians. But, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple. Oh, they weren't very welcoming, were they? Now, can you blame them? Of course not. I mean, this was a vicious man. He had seen Christians, seen to it that Christians were killed. It says he'd go house to house dragging men, women, and children out of homes because they were followers of Christ. He was a vicious man, but something changed. Now, remember, you know, 100 miles to us is no big deal. That's, you know, going up to San Luis Obispo area. That's actually further than that. Or it's going up to uh, before that. uh, Oh, my goodness. The town everyone likes walking around. Okay. Yeah, you know, further than San Luis. Anyways, you guys back back here with me. The point is, is that for us, it was, you know, for us, it's, you know, it takes an hour and a half at most. Back then, that was several days' journey. And they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have internet. So there's, there's a lot, it's word of mouth, but it's, it's pretty crazy. There's persecution going on. And so they don't, they're not sure this is real because that was the leader. That was the man who started the persecution. So they don't trust him. And that's when our friend Barnabas shows up. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus, he, meaning Paul, had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas steps in to speak on his behalf. He's his advocate. He's an advocate for a person with baggage who doesn't fit in. I'm kind of leading with this. How can we be a Barnabas here? Have you ever been an advocate for somebody who felt like maybe I don't fit in? You just welcome them into church. Hey, no worries. You're the kind of person Jesus redeems. How do I know? Because he redeemed me. And he helped him into the church. He spoke. He was a man who was trusted by the apostles. He was trusted by the church. But he didn't, he didn't sit idly by. He went and said, no, this man, he's been proclaiming the name of Christ. He's changed. He took a risk in doing it. What did he put on the line? His reputation. But he cared enough for a man like Saul to help him into the church. And he spoke on his behalf. Can you do that? Everyone look at me. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can speak on someone else's behalf. You can take a risk for them. Someone comes and they've had a rough background, really rough, and they become a Christian. You can help them in. You can, we can tell when there's someone who's a new Christian. I was one of those. At 20, oh, I had a really bad past. But I had a couple people who walked alongside me to help me into the church to understand what it was supposed to look like. I had no clue. Be a Barnabas. You can be that. 
Somebody who's a part of the church and participating and learning and growing, loving God's word, learning how to obey and you're growing and then you, you, you establish yourself as a part of the church and then someone comes along, they come walking up and they look a little hesitant. Can you go help them? Yeah. But you know what, folks? We don't have a greeters team, by the way. I'm looking at the greeters team. The church is supposed to be the greeters team. Anyone walks in here, they should be mobbed. They're new, help them, help them feel welcomed into the church. Help them feel well. Can you do that? I want to hear, see, nodded, nodding, okay? I'm interacting here. Give it to me, right? Barnabas, he's a bridge builder. He's a bridge builder for a new believer with baggage. And again, I don't blame the church. He was a violent man, but Barnabas stepped up. He saw potentially, took a risk, stepped in and spoke on his behalf. And it says that he joined, and he began right away proclaiming in Jerusalem. And it didn't take much time for them to get mad at him, and he has to flee. And as soon as they, as soon as they sent Paul up to, Tar, or up to Tarsus, they got him out of the city. You know, what happened? It says that they enjoyed peace in Jerusalem. Paul, well, he stirred things up. And that's, there's certain people like that, but Barnabas was the one to help them get in, get planted, and get going. And we're not done with Paul yet, are we? We'll see more of him in the book of Acts, but we're focusing on Barnabas. God used a man like Barnabas to help this amazing man, Paul, to get started. So is Barnabas important? Yes, he is. And we go like, yes, he is. You can be a Barnabas. You can help people get going in their faith, to get into the church, to realize, Here, here's how it works. Hey, you need to talk to that person. Let's go talk to them together. Hey, that's a ministry over there. You might want to check out. Hey, let's get you involved. Maybe you can help out at, you know, uh, greet, you know, get them involved in the life of the church. You can do that. What's it going to take, though? Got to risk a little. Got to get out of your comfort zone. Got to show up early at church, maybe a little bit. When you come here, it's great to see your friends. I love seeing friends. You see me. I hug everybody. But you're also looking out, hey, is there anyone new that I haven't seen yet? I want to make sure that someone talks to them. Afterwards, after we're done here, because I'm preaching on this today, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stand up and you're going to look around. If you don't see a familiar face, what are you going to do? I'm giving you instant homework, folks. It's a test. You're going to go up to them and say hi and ask their name and introduce yourself. All right? So we have homework right now. Right away, we're applying God's word. We're going to learn from Barnabas. So now jump with me up to Acts chapter 11, the one we read, verse 19. Well, I'll start in verse 23. So we're in Acts 11, verse 23. And so at this point, because of the persecution caused by who? Paul. Don't forget that. Paul started the persecution, and in verse 19 says, there was some who, who went out because of this persecution at the, at the killing of Stephen. Well, that's because Paul was there and did it. So just keep that in mind. So that's, that's the setting. And so they, the, the Jerusalem church, what, which did, was so called to oversee the growth of the gospel. They hear about it, so they want to make sure that it's good and it's godly and it's right, as is appropriate. So did an apostle go up? No, they sent Barnabas. What does that tell you? He's a trusted part of the church. Because again, we are now maybe another five to seven years later after the other incident. We're jumping years ahead. And what does this tell us about Barnabas is that he's been faithful to the church. Can you be faithful to the church? What do I want from you? Let's see some nodding. Yes, you can. 
How do you be faithful to the church? Keep going. Keep being involved. Keep loving people one person at a time. If you walk away from this service today having loved one person and just showed them kindness and, and helped them in some way if they're struggling or whatever, I know a family that's getting ready to leave the church because they're moving to another state. What can we show them? We did it last week. We went up to them and told them we're going to miss them. Can you tell them that today too? Absolutely. We're going to miss you guys. But we'll see you again. Here we are. Acts 11, verse, and we'll just go to verse 23. Barnabas has been sent, and now it says, When he came to the Antioch church, he saw the grace of God. And what does it say? He was glad. And he exhorted them, encouraged, pushed them, incited them. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man. A righteous man, that's what that means. He knew God's word and obeyed it and lived it out. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He knew God's word, obeyed it, trusted it, and walked in those ways. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Isn't that great? A little tidbit there. They were followers of the way before this, but now they were given the nickname Christians, followers of Christ, little Christs. So again, he's sent by the Jerusalem church. He's a trusted man. He came and saw evidence of God's grace and what did he do? He started critiquing it and saying, you don't do it that way. Does it say, did it say that? No, it says he was glad. What does that mean? He was rejoicing. He saw the evidence of the grace of God. They did, probably did things a little bit differently. It was predominantly what kind of church at this point? Probably more Gentile or definitely, definitely a little bit more Hellenized than the Jewish church, than the Jewish Christian church down in Jerusalem. They probably did things a little bit differently, folks. How do we all react to change? Ah, if we're honest, you know that we don't do well. What did Barnabas do? He rejoiced. He was a man who says, wait, I, wanna see, I see evidence of God's grace, so what should I do? Reinforce it. New Christians come, come into the body. You know what they're going to do? They're going to make mistakes. You know that, right? They don't know all of God's law. For those of you who have been living as Christians for 20 years, so what should you do? Should you do that? No, be a Barnabas. Encourage them that they see the evidence of the grace of God. They become Christians. What little you see, what should you do? Get excited. Tell them. Tell them. How many of you go up to other Christians and say, man, I saw you do this. It was so cool. Thank you. Man, we need to be more that way, don't you think? How many of you have ever had an encouraging word and you remember it? <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Come on now. We all remember those times when someone said something kind to us. Like, wow, especially if it's someone who's older than you and it's unexpected. Oh, my goodness. Certain things have stuck in my brain. Coach Orr saying that to me when I was a new Christian a man I respected. Pastor Petker, when I was an intern, 
Doug Stolhan. Just go down the list. And then my wife. She's my Barnabas. But don't you remember those? Folks, let's be so generous and lavish in these words of encouragement, of exhortation. I see you're going through a tough time, and I'm sorry, but stay the course. Don't give up. Right? How many of you would long to hear that word from another one, another person? Yeah, well, let's, let's make sure that happens here. It should be happening here above all other places. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Get excited about Barnabas. Man, I want to be like him. He exhorted this, these believers to persevere. Why? You guys understand, Antioch was a very secular city with tons of temptations, tons of potential distractions to draw them away from the faith. He exhorted them, stay the course, stay faithful. Folks, we have a lot of distractions here, do we not? Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't give in. Stay faithful to the Lord. And he didn't walk away once he saw, oh yeah, they're doing good. I'll go back. I did my job. What did he do? He stayed. He stayed and taught. Matter of fact, he saw that the need was so great because the church was just bursting. What did he do? He traveled. By the way, how did he pay for all this? Yeah, it cost a lot back then to travel to. Not a gallon of gas. Okay? It cost a lot because it took days and days. And what does he do? He goes over 100 miles away to go find Paul. It says he had to find Paul. He had to search him out. He went and got him and then came back to the church. And then they spent how long? Another year just teaching and training and building up the body. New believers, man, we need to teach them how to even open. Well, they didn't have a lot of scriptures, but we need to teach what the scriptures are. Remember, many of these are Gentile Christians, meaning they have almost zero literacy in the Hebrew scriptures. So there's a lot of backfilling. And folks, that is our environment too today. More and more people have no idea what the Bible is or who Jesus is. He's a cuss word at best. So new believers come in, man, they need lots of backfilling. And guess who gets to do it? Certainly pastors do it, but you know what? You can too. That's called what? Discipleship. And regular Christians, I don't even like that word, but you know what I mean, because I hear, oh, I'm just a regular Christian. Oh, stop it. If you're a Christian, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God and you have access to the Scriptures. And if there's a new believer in your life, don't pass them off to a, a pastor. You can certainly get us involved. But here's the deal. You start Barnabasing them. You start helping them. The Great Commission. Make disciples. Going, therefore, what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? They get them into the faith, but then what? Teaching them to obey two commandments and then you're done. It doesn't say that. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And teaching doesn't just mean say, well, here's the, here's the command. Okay, go do it. Teaching literally does mean showing them how to obey. Again, we're in a culture where the Christian life is even more and more and more and more in direct contradiction to what the, our society says is good. You need to help. And when I say this, hear, hear me in a, as your brother who feels the same pull, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not looking at anyone in particular except for one of a couple of my friends. Who I, no, I'm just kidding. You guys, all of us need to be getting that passion. 
getting that fire, how can I help somebody just a little bit, a little bit? Who needs help? How can I be a blessing to them? When I come to church, I'm always saying, Lord, help me to be a blessing to somebody today. Yeah? When you get up in the morning, you know what? You were given one more day of life on purpose. It wasn't by accident. And you have a purpose. Go be salt and light. That's what we're supposed to be, being. Go be a blessing to somebody, somehow, some way, right? Where can it begin? Obviously, it needs to start in your families. We got some, kind of a fun day next week, right? It's called what day? Mother's Day. Husbands, make sure your wife knows how much you're so appreciative of her encouragement in your life. And parents, how many of you are really, really, really good at encouraging, not just commanding and exhorting, but encouraging and cheering on your kids? Get better at it. But then it needs to go into the church, shouldn't it? The family of God. Okay, you don't have to be like me. Obviously, I'm loud and a little crazy, and I'm very vocal. I'm very huggy. <laughs> but folks, you need to be encouragement. You need to be an encourager. We're commanded. It's one of the one another's, right? So I'm not saying anything that's new, but think about it. I want you to think about it so hard this week. How can I grow in this? How can I be a Barnabas one more, just a little bit more today? Because remember, how did he start? He became a Christian. And... He was devoted to the apostles' teaching. Is that what we do here in church? He's part of a church. It's the early church. But he was devoted to teaching. He was devoted to being with God's people. It says that they met at the temple, large group, and it says that they met house to house, small group. You need to be in these kind of environments to grow as a Christian so you can keep becoming more and more like a Barnabas. Obviously, there's other believers you can imitate, but I'm focusing on Barnabas today. Let's be a Barnabas. Be somebody that says something to a young believer that says, oh my goodness, that's just what I needed to hear. They think that of me? Are you kidding me? The only reason I'm in ministry is because I have friends saying, Chris, see you working with those kids. Have you thought about maybe considering going, you know, maybe doing an internship at a church, working at a summer camp? Like, well, not really. And I did it. Guess what, guess what happened? Made a lot of mistakes. But I had a lot of fun. I'm like, oh my goodness, I want this was a new believer and lived a very pagan life. But then he started pointing me to passages like about Paul and what he was saved from and other people in scripture. Now I want to be like Barnabas in other people's lives. You get excited for that? Because look at the role he's playing here in a young church. He was glad at what he saw. He encouraged them. He taught them. He brought in another leader because he believed in Paul. He was a mentor. He went and searched around, brought him in to get him serving. He was a man who loved God's word, full of spirit and faith, and obeyed it and walked with it. And then he taught people the same. And he was a man used by God to produce a harvest there in Antioch. You're thinking, well, okay, he was a teacher and trainer. I, I'm not really like that. I'm not a pastor. Folks, what is going on right now down that room down over there and downstairs with the little ones? Children's ministries, how many of you can teach a kid? Y'all can. You know more than they do. How many of you can show them love? If you can't love them, the love of God might not be in you. That's 1 John, right? If you don't love your brothers, that includes these little ones. 
What did Jesus say to the apostles or the disciples when he's talking to the kids and they start stepping in? Hey, hey, back up, back up. He's an important teacher. He's got to speak. What did he do to the disciples? Matthew 18, he severely rebuked them. Folks, you can be a teacher and trainer. Just start in little ways. Come to VBS. Oh, how did I work that in? But folks, our, remember, that's our biggest mission field. It's our closest mission field. It's our children. And they're precious, precious in the sight of God. And we get to bring them the gospel, right? So let's be a Barnabas starting with them. How's that sound? If you, if you want some other ideas, talk to me afterwards. There's other ways you can get plugged in, but I'm going to push that for now. But they served together for a year, and he was just working alongside Paul, building up the church. But here's the deal. It's going to take time and effort. There's no way around it. The question is, what are you devoted to? What are you spending your time in your life doing? How many of you need to work? We all need to work, right? That's part of what we're supposed to do. But folks, we have extra time, and we pursue other things. What are you pursuing that will have eternal benefit, right? I mean, I regularly have to look at my schedule. Things, every one of us has things that distract. But ask yourself, what will I say about my life? I know that the Lord is going to say something about it too. But what will I say? What can I point to to say, yeah, the Lord has used me to produce fruit? Eternal fruit I'm talking about. What have I been a part of that has built up the church? And that includes building projects, work days, VBS, a whole realm of things. What do you do that's part of the church to build up the church and build into each other's lives? And again, if you hear me talking any kind of condemning way, I'm not saying it correctly. You're not hearing me correctly. This is me exhorting you, encouraging you, okay? I just want so badly for my life to make a difference, and I want that for us, for the kingdom's sake, right? We don't do this on Sunday mornings just to say, oh, I did my religious thing. Now we do this because we want to honor God and exalt God and glorify God and building his church, spreading the gospel. That's, that's what he wants us to do is to bring him glory. That's what Barnabas did. So let's go up to, uh, you don't have to turn far because we're going to go up to the end of chapter 12 now. 1225. So the Antioch church doing well. They find out that there's going to be a famine that's going to affect the church in Jerusalem. They want to send a loved gift down there to them. This is show, just showing the mutual love of the family of God. And so they, they send money down by the hand of Paul and Barnabas to go down and bring money. And, and now they're going to come back up, back up to Antioch. All right, so this is where we're at in, in chapter 12, verse 25. And we'll only go to the second verse of chapter three, 13. It says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And who's the first one listed? Barnabas. He had the place of, of prominence there because of his role. We think of son of encouragement. We think he's a kind of, no, this guy was major role because of who he was and how he ministered to the church. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Quite the, quite the plurality there, quite the mixture of leaders there. And I'm actually preaching on this passage tonight. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, 
the Holy Spirit said, set, a, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Again, another snippet from the life of the church with Barnabas in it. And so we see that, that Barnabas, we, he has a desire to mentor, first of all. Where did I get that from? 1225. He brought along what turns out John Mark is his cousin, a young man. He's going to come into play in a little bit. But this is a man, again, he's bringing a younger believer along with veteran leaders, veteran teachers, trainers, evangelists. Why would he do that? Somebody carry his bags? Well, he probably did. He was younger. He probably helped him out that way. But somebody, he wanted to help him start getting what? What do we call that? Experience. A chance to try things out. You know, we'll have on stage here sometimes, we'll have some of the younger guys preaching right? That's a blessing, and they did great. And well, sometimes we'll have new musicians come up, right, to start getting used to serve. And, you know, my wife down there, sometimes she'll grab poor little uh, Gabby Medina and pull her in to help her teach a lesson. Why? So that she gets experience. She's a high schooler. So she gets experience so that one day she will serve in teaching the kids. That's just how it happens. He's doing it here. He's a desire to mentor. Again, he has a place of, of prominence there because of his, his experience there and what he'd been doing. But it says that they're worshiping and fasting. How many of you can worship and if you need to fast? How many of you can pray and go before the Lord and ask him to move and to guide and direct your life and also your church? How many of you can do that? It's called a rhetorical question. Thank you, Brad, for your raising your hand. All y'all can. We can do this. Right? Again, I'm just thinking, as we build a case for Barnabas, some, sometimes can you, this is pretty, he's a pretty, what we call a man of weight in the church. But remember, this is how many years? This is probably 12 to 15 years after Pentecost. He's gotten here slowly over time, but how did he get there? Faithfulness in the little things, to just keep doing what you're doing. So how many of you can do that? By the grace of God, of course. You all can. I'm looking at a potential crowd of Barnabases. We can. And, and folks, the world, the church needs us to be that way. And the world needs a church like this to be that way. Because when a non-Christian comes here, you know what our, our corporate life is to them? A testimony. If there's no unity and love, which a bar, bunch of Barnabases would be doing, if there's, not, if there's very little of that in the church, you know what that is? It's actually a testimony against Christ. Read John 17 where Jesus is praying. May we be one or may they be one as we are one so that the world will say that you sent me. Jesus tied his proof of his deity and being sent by God to how the church would love each other. Do you get that? It's twice he says that in John 17. The more Barnabases, a better testimony. Some say that Paul, when he was writing 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, what do you guys know what that passage is all about? It's read in a lot of, a lot of marriages. Love is patient, love is kind. Some say that he was thinking of Barnabas. It's not a marriage passage. It's a passage about love, a Christian love, because he exemplified that. Isn't that cool? May, well, I would love that to be said about me. So let's be a Barnabas. But he was, a, he was somebody who was devoted to exalting God and seeking his guidance in the worship and fasting. And then he was appointed. He was elect. He, he got picked 
to go on an important mission. And what was this? It was the first missionary travel. The first journey. This is Barnabas. It was, and by the way, it wasn't Paul's first missionary journey. It was Barnabas and Saul is really what we should call that first missionary journey. This is not to take away from Paul, but it's to show what the Bible says. Barnabas was listed first. He was the one who was still serving in some, some way to be the leader even over Paul at this point. Now, it changes in the first missionary journey, and guess what Barnabas did? I don't want to do this anymore. No, he didn't do that. Let Paul be the leader. It's fine. He became more of a supportive role, but it still says he was working miracles, and he was still proclaiming. I'm jumping into the next passage. That's okay. But this is a man we can, we can learn from and grow and challenge ourselves. And that will just take us into, and I'm, it, it, the whole missionary journey goes from 13.3 all the way to the end of 14, but I'm going to read you two little passages. So being sent, verse, uh, verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and there they filed to Cyprus. And why did they go to Cyprus first on the first missionary journey? That's where Barnabas is from. It's his hometown. So they had to go 100 miles off coast to bring the gospel. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. John to do what? Assist them. Again, see him. He's wanting to bring along someone younger in the faith to give him what? Opportunities to start growing in maybe a leadership position eventually. He was a mentor. He was a coach. He was a cheerleader. He was a teacher. He was a trainer. This, this is not a, a, a sermon on how to become a pastor. This is a sermon on how to be more of an encourager to anyone in the church, especially those younger in the faith who could use a kind word. Wow, folks, I want so, so badly for us to get better. You know, in Thessalonians says, hey, you have love, but excel still more. Let us excel still more. So he's there, they're preaching the word of God. I jump up to verse, uh, go up all the way up to 14, verse 21. This is the end of the journey. Remember, almost 1,500 miles of traveling by foot up huge elevations and to, to, un, to uninviting towns, lots of opposition. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. They weren't just saying, high five, you can do it. They're warning them, hey, there's going to be some tribulation if you're a Christian, right? They, they were strengthening them in the faith, encouraging them to stand strong. And, verse 23, when they had done what? Appointed elders. Well, why would they do that? Well, here's the deal. New Christians in an area, how do they stay growing? They got to get connected to a church. Well, the church wasn't there yet. So guess what they had to do? They had to form the leadership of the church. That's a lot of work. This is time, this is effort, this is pain, this is sweat, this is tears. Why? Why in the world would this man who had money and didn't, why would he do this? Because he loved the Lord and he knew this is about eternal things and he cared for people. He cared for these new believers enough to want to see them grow in the faith. We can be the same. He was a man with a mission, was he not? Can we have that same mission? 
Folks, you've been commanded to have that mission. It's called the Great Commission, right? That's what we have. You have that mission. We have that message in Jesus Christ. He's a man devoted to God's kingdom, not his own. A man who cared for the new church. His devotion to God overflowed, overflowed into helping others. Isn't that exciting? Do you want to be that person to anyone else? This is kind of rhetorical, I know. I just want you guys to really think about this. To think this through. How can I be... You see, you guys, when you've talked to me for any amount of time, you know I bring up certain people a lot. Coach Orr. Oh my goodness. He was my Barnabas. He still is. He's over 70 now and he's getting old. He's still my coach. I had, there's certain people in my life I point to. One of them I married. But I want to be her Barnabas too. Husbands and wives, we got to be that to each other, right? We got to look past the flaws and be the biggest cheerleader. There's so many times like, oh my goodness, that Renee, she is blind, but I love it. <laughs> and to our kids, I mean, mine are out of the house now and they're growing up and I want to see them walk with the Lord, so I exhort them all the time, but I love them. I just want them to do so well. But then when I come here on this campus, I love when they're, when they're, you know, they're dismissed to go off to Christmas just to see them. That's why I stand by that door to give them little high fives. I want them to know they're part of the church, our church, a vital part. So they remember that growing up. Because you know what? What they remember and what they like, they're going to try to bring into the church that they grow up into next, right? When they move off. Taylor, my daughter and son-in-law, I'm getting really personal here, but here's the deal. They're now to church and they're helping with the youth group now there too. Why? Because they loved what they saw happening here. They want to do the same. And they grew up around a youth pastor and they know how important it is for high schoolers and junior hires to get the word of God and, and get ready till they head off into adulthood. Right? Let's be a Barnabas. But here's the deal. And I won't even go to, into Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council and the part he played there. I'll just jump to a surprising passage. Two passages, actually. Galatians 2. Because if you're saying, hey, man, this guy is a superman. I don't know what to do. I, I can't be a Barnabas. Well, go to Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Galatians 2, it's a few books over from Acts, right after Romans, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. <laughs> Galatians 2, verse 11. So this is Paul recollecting a, a time when the gospel was severely challenged. But when Cephas, who's that? Peter. When Peter came to Antioch, oh, came up to Antioch, where Paul was, so Barnabas was there too. I opposed him to his face. Why, why is that risky? Because Peter was what, the head of the apostles. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Why was he condemned? For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, meaning the Gentile converts. But when they came, this group of men who said they came from the Jerusalem church, from James, so they came with authority. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Well, you need to know about the, the, the controversy in the early church. 
Before Jesus came, if you wanted to become the follower of the one true God, Yahweh, you had to become basically a Jew. If you were a male, you had to get circumcised. The families, you had to take on all the feasts of Israel and everything in the Mosaic law. But when Jesus came with the new covenant, things changed. But the first years of the church, they're wondering, well, how, what does this change look like? And that was the whole problem with the Jerusalem council that they solved. They said, look, Gentiles, for instance, when Cornelius became a Christian, this Roman centurion in Acts chapter 10 and 11, when he became a Christian, he did not get circumcised. We know he became a Christian because the fruit of the spirit was there. They began speaking in other tongues, just like we did on the day of Pentecost. So that was a controversy. But what happens here? Peter... He had been with Cornelius. He knew the evidence, and yet, because of what? Peer pressure. Peter blew it. That's why he was opposed face to face. You're saying, why are you bringing up Peter and Paul? Well, keep reading. And the rest of the Jewish Christians acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Barnabas wasn't a perfect man, folks. He, he, he fell to the fear of man at times. He made mistakes, but, but was that the end of the story? Well, no. After this, there was, there was repentance and confession and drawing back in. So this, just to, just to clear the tables, you know, he was a real man. Peter, a real man. Paul, did he ever make mistakes? Absolutely. Matter of fact, for the last passage, I'll just mention this briefly. And at the end of Acts 15... When the Jerusalem council had made their decision, they're going to send out, they, they were ready to send a letter out to all the churches around the known world. And so what they decided to do was to, to send Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and then Paul and Barnabas said, hey, we're going to go out. And then something happened. All right, so if you'll turn to uh, Acts 15, go back into Acts, and this will be the last. We'll just look at one verse. Acts 15, verse 39. Acts 15, verse 39. So they're talking about, hey, uh, we're going to go out and do it. Let's get going. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. This is Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And I'll just stop there. Two Godly men, what did they do? Sharp disagreement. They had conflict and they separated from each other. Now, what kind of, what is that a picture of? <laughs> Pretty disunity, right? It's not, a, it's not very flattering, but here's the deal. Did God still use this? Absolutely. So the gospel still spread, but folks, that's just to give you a taste. Look, he was a real man. They were real men who made mistakes, but they grew. We find out later Barnabas and him, they were fine. We see John Mark. Matter of fact, at the end of Paul's life, he's asking for Mark to be sent to him because he's so useful to me. He was an encouragement to Paul. Oh, wait, what does that mean about Mark? Maybe he had learned from Barnabas to do the same. So that's, that's just my, I'll just stop there. But that's the second point of your outline is living like Barnabas. Well, I've been sprinkling that in all the way through. How can you be a Barnabas? Be devoted to the church. Be devoted to God's word. It's just what you, what you read, obey, keep it simple. Pray for others. Pray for this church. Be involved in this church. Sunday mornings is great. You're supposed to be here. But it should be more than that. You should be connected in small groups somehow, somewhere, some, some way. 
get involved in a small group, whether it be a ministry team or you're part of a men's study, women's study, book club, VBS team, Sunday school team. There's all sorts of ways where you get more plugged in. Little steps. And then be on mission at least once a week. Sundays you can start here because we're all together. Find some person and do what? Encourage them. Thank them for something they did, whether it was for you or for the church or something you saw them go through a tough time. Because remember, encouragement, son of encouragement, and consolation. You comfort them. Folks, I, I, I'm serious about this. You have homework to do. We have homework to do. A church in Colorado is going to get a good family that's going to do that homework too, right? So thanks, you guys. I appreciate the time here, but I want us to be a church that really feels this, that we are like Barnabas. May he be someone that's on our brain, right? Let's pray, and then we'll have uh, the good elder, Lachanfora, come up and close. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the challenge that we see here, and yet also the encouragement. It stirs us up to love and good deeds, this man Barnabas. And God, I pray that uh, we wouldn't look back at the end of our lives and saying, you know what, I should have used more encouraging words. I should have, I should have, I should have. But Lord, that we would take just, just even just decide to do one encouraging thing for somebody, to say one encouraging thing for somebody. Lord, thank you for the work you do in our lives, in lives of so many people throughout the centuries. And I pray that Barnabas would use, be used by you to stir us up. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time uh, today. In Jesus' name, amen.